You're listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. This is a podcast where I listen to people from around the world offer their opinions, insights, and reflections on character depictions of characters similar to themselves. Without further ado, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Hiya, I'm Rev Spitter Jackson. Um, I'm 24 and I'm a script supervisor, writer and short film director based in Wales. Welcome. It's fantastic to be able to speak to you. I've been very excited about some of the things that I think you're going to speak about. Are you able to break down briefly the, the topics that you would like to cover in this episode? I feel so strongly about this. It's something I, I, want, to, I want to talk about, um, how I feel that poverty and also linking with that disabilities are often misrepresented in the media, either in completely un, unrealistic settings or exploited for laughs and comedies. Absolutely. does seem to be a very one of the other, either tragic or hilarious nothing in the middle. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you have seen that you have a problem with? A good example of this is I think I must have been about 15 and I was watching a British comedy show called Benadorm and I loved that show. I watched it with my family all the time and it's kind of like this comedy show about a group of holiday makers who are from lower income backgrounds who always go back to the same resort every year and it's just meant to be a bit of light-hearted tv and then I vividly remember watching it as one of the characters is in a swimming pool and makes a really lazy joke about people who suffer with ME um, otherwise known as chronic fatigue syndrome calling people lazy and calling people you know why can't they just get up and do work instead of receiving benefits that kind of thing which is a joke that it's very old. It's been used quite a lot. Um, and I felt at the time, even then, as someone who suffers with ME and has done since I was about 13 and I'm 24 now, I felt that this show encapsulated both the using poverty as a punchline in a joke, because that's literally what every episode is about, just, oh, this person's stupid, ha-ha, and they're poor. And then also bringing an other oppressed community in who are also very often misrepresented in the media and pitting them against each other and it's kind of it's something that I never really picked up on before then and something now that I continuously notice after that as well there's another continuing drama in the UK that's very famous called EastEnders and it's just it's meant to be absurdist and it's meant to be completely batty storylines, exaggerated, overdramatic. But as someone who comes from a working class background who grew up in food parcels, it's really frustrating and disheartening to see the kind of drama, not just a comedy, that's meant to be about that area of London, which is has quite a huge percentage of poverty, just completely ignoring the actual reality of that. I remember a few years ago, there was a character called Tamwa, he was meant to go off to university and oh wow he couldn't go because he couldn't afford the tuition fees this was a big plot line and then oh, that's how he stayed in EastEnders but everyone in the UK who has had anyone go to uni knows that at the moment we don't pay for our student loans up front it's completely your tuition fees are taken care of as long as 
you apply for a tuition fee, but everyone gets that. Even if someone is the child of a multi-million dollar business owner. And it was just absurd to see something so, such a small detail be completely missed. And I've kind of seen this stuff in so many shows, especially in UK media and abroad as well. Like a lot of American sitcoms make light of this kind of situation. It's very frustrating to see. Do you feel that there are direct implications for this in how people perceive you or behave towards you in real life? Oh, 100%. I am on set a lot shooting and I've worked for some of the companies that make these shows, not on these shows, but that make these shows. And the attitude from some of the crew themselves is quite shocking. Like when I've mentioned, oh, that is actually accurate. And I know this because I grew up on food parcels. It's kind of just hush, hush, you don't talk about that. You don't, it's a taboo subject, um, even on set. And even when it is literally part of the story that you're all working on, don't talk about your background unless you know someone rich or famous or you come from a rich family with a certain surname. It's kind of, it's not the same everywhere in, in the UK or other places I've worked, but the majority of places I have worked, especially in London and the big the big cities, there's a lot of, even out, outside of shooting as well, at university, I was in a student hall and every single person in my flat had come from a wealthy family. Every single one of them had had a paid for gap year. Half of them had their rent paid for by their parents, um, despite also getting the tuition fee. And there is definitely a divide between well, what's wrong with you that you didn't have this? Because I've seen in this TV show that this character's acted lazy. And from like a disability standpoint as well, that one joke in Benadol about Emmy has stuck with me for years because the amount of discrimination that I've felt through that, that it's got to the point where I don't tell people and I'm on set working 12, 13 hours a day and I don't tell anyone that I'm kind of hitting a bit of a wall sometimes because... I'm I'm tired, but that's just, that's my disability. No one seems to be willing to listen because of the media and the portrayal of these characters who are 90% of the time written by someone who doesn't know anything about these characters, doesn't know anything about these experiences. And they've had a 20 year old researcher run out and do a little bit of research. It's never enough. So you mentioned research. Do you think there's a simple way or a right and wrong way to do research? And is, is there any specific way a creator can know that they've actually done enough in terms of research? I think it's so important to speak to people themselves who've had this experience, unless the creator themselves has had this experience or been affected by it. I also think it's quite important to talk to people from outside of the writing community as well to just people who don't have that kind of like creative license to what they're experiencing because I know when people have asked me I downplay things because I'm thinking in my head oh I know that won't make good tv I know that won't make a good book and I downplayed it and I think it's so important to just talk to people I've worked on um, a, a tv show that has had a lot of references to drugs and and has had a lot of references to trans characters and the issues that trans people face but not a single member of crew identified as trans no one had any kind of creative input identified as trans Um, and I was just sitting there feeling so uncomfortable because I feel like 
how can I possibly tell that story? It's not mine. But they've also not researched it. And I think the most important thing to do is don't just Google because the first thing that comes up is what we already know. And I think the important thing is to just get out there, find people to talk to that might not have done that before and could just give honest advice. Um, otherwise, you're just going to get the same kind of, or be in the same route. I think I, I still haven't ever seen anything like Emmy portrayed successfully in the media. And I've um, pinpointed a lot of people as a script consultant, a lot of people towards TikTok because creators have license over what they're producing they're not trying to do that for money they're just making their own stuff and there's a lot of like different groups on stuff like tiktok there's a whole adhd movement on tiktok called adhd talk and it's people from all over the world that have found each other because they are so fed up with the portrayal of things like adhd in the media yet they're not making that content for other people they're making it for themselves and i found i've been giving people advice on um, like a lesbian romance in a film um, as I, I, I identify as a lesbian. And I feel I've told people, just go to TikTok, just search some things up and you'll find it's literally like looking into someone's mind half the time. And that's the kind of active research that I would suggest rather than just reading what's already in the tabloids. You make some really excellent points there. I was wondering when you were saying about speaking to people, if you don't have that lived experience, do you have any ideas about how you would reach out to those people when you're seeking sort of information like this around people's experience? You know, there's definitely a danger of being intrusive or being a tourist and exploitative. Do you have any ideas about how people can manage that aside from TikTok because that's obviously already a really good one. It is a very delicate balance that takes a lot of care to finesse how to approach someone. Um, I used to be part of my old university's LGBT plus society and we would get a lot of unsolicited emails kind of demanding what well, I need to do a um, research proposal on how mental illness affects gay people I need three people from your society to come and talk to me and it was very demanding and we had to just say that unless it was something very very specific that we really felt that we could help we it was just a blanket no even though we wanted to help people because we felt like we were being exploited and it is a very delicate line I feel like you don't want to just reach out to a random person on Facebook and be like, hi, I've seen your post about this, this and this. I want you to share your your, your knowledge and your experiences with me. I think it's, it's quite good. I found a lot of people, there's a lot of Facebook groups, especially for the film and TV industry. Um, there's a deaf and disabled people in TV group in the UK. And there's also a women in film and TV group. And people do post in there asking for advice and things. And it's a much more collaborative environment because you're not singling one person out. You're, you're not putting them on the spot unless you already know them. You're kind of, it's on their terms and you're inviting them just by posting saying, I'm looking for um, three disabled people to talk. If you would be willing to do that here, here are my details. You have to put the ball in their court. So finding a, a safe space that you're not imposing upon is great and then if you do worry about imposing like if you're um if you identify as a man and you want to talk to specifically people who, who identify as women it's you might not want to invade 
their Facebook groups, that kind of thing. The easiest thing to do there is to ask someone that you know to ask if they could go and ask for you if you could be allowed into that safe space. You, you don't want to thought like you own people's experiences and then you end up exploiting them anyway for your own stories. Because that is something that does happen, especially as you know, TV and film, it changes so much from development, things get changed in the blink of an eye. As a script supervisor on set, um, sometimes we discover as we're blocking scenes that the dialogue doesn't work and that writers spent weeks, months, even years sometimes working on that. And we have about five minutes to make that choice ourselves. We might not know why the writers have done that. That might be a bit of a tricky situation because there might be a reason why. We might not have that research experience ourselves. So it's kind of important to try where you can to get an authentic experience without co-opting those experiences, just in case they change in the development process as well. That is definitely an extra complication I hadn't thought about. And I guess something that would make that a little bit better would be if everybody involved had a bit had done a bit of research about the the characters that they were representing, whether they're in front of or behind the camera. Do you think that there's been improvement in this space over the past 10 years from you as a 13-year-old to you as a 24-year-old? I think yes in some ways, but primarily no, both in front of the camera and behind it. Yes, in a way that there's stuff like special as well. Um, and on Casualty, which is something that I've recently worked on, an episode has just aired where we've worked really hard to be as, as inclusive as possible. And I've worked with a fantastic actor, comedian, writer, all-round amazing person that is Rosie Jones, who um, has cerebral palsy and she was fantastic in the role. And I think we have come further in showcasing um, and given a platform to authentically representing poverty and people with disabilities, but not far enough. Um, thinking of like poverty in the UK, especially, there's a really great TV show, which is called um, This Country, that is a comedy document, like mock documentary style that's shot by someone who wasn't actually in the industry. That was the first thing that she ever did. And it's won loads of awards about this sister and her brother who were just in rural England and just the reality of that. And that was just so beautifully done because it was made and written by someone who had that experience. Um, and the same can be say, said for the American sitcom, The Middle. I don't think I've ever seen such an authentic representation of the sacrifices that people make when they do have health issues or when they are on the poverty line. Like that, that's my issue with the way that poverty is depicted still now is that it's a lot of people in, in the UK are somewhat comfortable but are still poor in the way of they have a flat that's all right, they're okay, they might have a TV, they might have a new smartphone, but these are all necessities that we need. They might have to write a letter every month to the landlord saying, I'm really sorry, but the rent will be a bit late. Especially now as um, energy prices are going up and council taxes going up, and just the cost of living is generally rising. And there, there are becoming more and more people that aren't what you would imagine being poor as because of the media. They're not living in squalor but they're still struggling and they're still poor and they still can't save up to get out of that. And then it's a cycle of depression, um, poverty. And that's what's not particularly shown well now. And I think 
we we have done some great things it's just not not enough and even behind the camera there's some really great examples of disability friendly and working class friendly um like training schemes and open door like stepping in but it's not enough i can't drive but that's more out of my parents couldn't really afford much at some point when i was about 16 17 learning to drive the thought of them paying for me to learn to drive on top of struggling to pay for food it was a no-brainer you don't pay for that and then i went to a university in a city that's known for being walkable in cardiff and so now I'm trying to learn now. The amount of jobs that I've been declined for, despite the fact I can do them completely well because I can't drive, is a barrier to poverty even more. And trying to get into the industry, office-based roles are constantly, you must have a driving license. Why? Why do you need to be able to drive? What if I had epilepsy? What if I was in a wheelchair? It really doesn't impair my brain for doing a job. And that's the kind of the attitude that I think is currently in the TV and film industry now, both in front of and behind the camera, is it's getting better. But if something is an inconvenience to a humour point or to actually shooting something or to having a crew member who would need extra support, nine times out of ten, they won't bother. That's a little disheartening to hear. I certainly hope that there are enough people pushing to change that People who don't need it themselves, otherwise known as allies, we always, for, for all human experience, we need allies really in those beginning phases at the very least to, to really help get us into a healthier space. Are there any final ideas or opinions you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? The main takeaway that I would love people to take from this is that everyone deserves to be seen but that does actually mean everyone that means obviously every tv show can't have everyone with every single kind of disability or everyone can't have everyone who is a particular kind of poor but there is room and there there are spaces for everyone to be represented like even when that bond the newest bond film came out and rami malek's character is covered in scars and then there was the, the big media storm from the charity saying now you've just made everyone with facial scars feel like a villain and that's a small minority of people overall but that doesn't make it any less hurtful for them and I think everyone should be seen just do some research on all the different kinds of disabilities and no matter how small and just give that person a, a platform like I'm seeing stuff on Facebook now about all those children who seem seen themselves finally represented in Encanto because the first Pixar characters wore glasses. And that's such a small thing to some people, but for some of us, that means the world. And I think everyone has a story and everyone's story deserves to be told. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. I'm really excited to see the positive change that will happen over the next 10 years compared with the previous, previous 10 years. You've been listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, head to my website, pagecrystalwilcox.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.